Blog Talk Radio. I hate you both. I've hated you ever since I can remember. I hate you, and I wish you both had cancer. Cancer? Yes, in the head. September 7th, Season 5 of the Stupid Cancer Show. We are back after our summer hiatus and once again live, the voice of young adults with cancer. We are your friendly neighborhood weekly social webcast, finally giving that voice to 5 million young adults affected by cancer. This broadcast is a program of the I'm Too Young for This Cancer Foundation, leading the fight for the rights of young adults and bringing the cause of cancer under 40 to the national spotlight. Got cancer under 40? Sucks, huh? Well, get busy living because the stupid cancer show is on the air. Welcome to tonight's broadcast. The past three decades of cancer progress have failed the next generation of survivors. So there's no reason to think the next 30 will be any different unless change happens now. We are here to change the world one chemo infusion at a time and share all of our collective crapness. Join us and be the change that needs to happen for our generation. Hell, we invented Google, Facebook, Twitter. We kept Sanjaya on American Idol all those weeks. We can do anything that we put our minds to. This is Generation Cancer. It is our fight and our duty to give back to our own. We have the sheer numbers, the voting power, and the influence to change the rules. Because permission is not an excuse for a cure, and survivorship is all that matters. All right, our season finale in July on skin cancer with uh, Survivor Spotlight artist, Survivor uh, musician Therese Brewitt, Dr. Jenny Stein from... uh, NYU Langone Medical Center in Dermatology, and Courtney Clark, our friend from Planet Cancer Melanoma Survivor. And tonight's show, our season premiere, I can't believe it's uh, our fifth season, Ethan Zahn, young adult survivor, Hodgkin's lymphoma, founder of the Grassroots Soccer Organization, and the winner of Survivor Africa, and Dr. Leonard Sender, chairman of the board for I2Y clinical professor of medicine, director of clinical oncology services at UC Irvine and the, uh, what is it, the Cancer Center of Orange County or something like that? Children's Hospital, Orange County. There we go. Alrighty. So hello, my friends, and welcome to yet another fun and exciting romp of the hands on tonight's stupid cancer show and a stupid cancer welcome to all of our first-time listeners here on the Blog Talk Radio Network. Coming at you live from the Chemo Deck, our fabulous studio in downtown Manhattan. I am your host, Matthew Zachary, a 13-year, coming up on 14-year, young adult pediatric brain cancer survivor. Joining me live in the studio, as always, tonight, our chief cancer anarchist, Jack Buffard. Hello, Jack. What's up, baby? Season 5. You ready to rock and roll? I certainly am, dude. Jack will be monitoring our live concurrent interactive chat room so if you have something to say let him let, uh, I messed that up so if you have something to say let him have it what have you been on vacation yeah I, we've been on I lost it 
So grill Jack with oh, your you simple questions. Yeah, it just takes some simple questions to stump Jack. So we're going to play Stump the Buffard tonight. And, of course, we have no live audience tonight because uh, we're losers tonight, but it's okay. Well, we have a, we're not in the studio. Right, no live studio audience members tonight. But, uh, as always, uh, we do have uh, an amazing person that I have to introduce, of course. My esteemed pleasure to introduce my official partner in crime here on the Stupid Cancer Show, hailing from the Windy City of Chicago, fellow young adult survivor and author of the acclaimed book, Everything Changes, The Insider's Guide to Cancer in Your 20s and 30s. Please welcome the lovely... Talented, blogtastic, and spectacular, Carol Rosenthal. Hello, Matthew. Hello, my darling. How are you? I'm great. We have a hugely active chat room tonight. We got a great show planned, and I, I was like we were saying before we got, went on the air. It feels like we haven't been on the air in like six years. It does feel like a long time. Yeah, why is that? Did we really have that much fun in the last yeah. six weeks? It was summer vacation. I was just sitting home bored every day. I, <laughs> I, I was I was introduced to Monday Night Television for the first time. It oh my goodness! Interesting. Is that like How I Met Your Mother or something like that? It was. Uh, I got some recommendations. Nothing sticks out, so I just been watching baseball. All right, fair enough. And Carol, how have you been spending your uh, your August? Um, I had a very extended vacation to Georgia. I ate a ton of soul food, a ton of shrimp, and I got into a prayer book battle in the smallest church in the United States over health care reform. Oh, my goodness. We have to hear about that. That deserves one of these. Ooh. Go for it. Mm. So um, Shannon, my husband, and I were like trekking down this tiny little highway, and we come across the smallest church in the United States, this tiny little white sort of clapboard church, and it can fit maybe 12 people on it, although half of them are sitting on each other's laps. It's teeny, 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 tiny. And um, so we were having fun, like pretending to be evangelical preachers and posing for pictures with each other because you know, no one was in there with us. But there's this little binder where you can write prayers. We'll send a little message to God in the binder. And, um, I, you know, of course, me being me, I ended up praying to God, even though I'm an atheist. But I, I wrote a little prayer to God um, that a, a public option gets passed for health care reform and that young adults everywhere can gain access to the kind of treatment that we need. Because, you know, if I'm going to pray, that's what I'm going to pray for. But I decided to flip the pages back a couple pages, and I was like, no, ah. This guy wrote a little prayer to God saying, I hope that Obama doesn't end up killing everyone with his health care plan because nobody's going to be able to afford cancer treatment. Someone wrote this in a church journal? This was the church prayer book. These are the little messages to God or Jesus. I mean, I'm Jewish, so I don't know who, who these Christian folks are praying to directly, but I, I, I just I let him have it. But I was polite. I mean, it was very polite. And I started noticing there was a lot of back and forth going on in this prayer book. You know, there were a lot of people that were like, I'm grateful to wake up this morning. I'm grateful for my dog, for my parents. Please watch over my brother as he gets out of drug and alcohol rehab. But then there were those of us who were just like, it, it, it was totally like the, the Fox News knock him out, drag him down against maybe like Keith Olbermann. If you put that into a little binder in the smallest church in America, that's what was happening. Oh and God. I think it's kind of a good summation of what my August was about, which was just trying to talk as much as I could with as many people. I talked to the BBC radio. I did a lot of writing and interviews about healthcare because that's what's happening right now. So that was my, that was my August. Did, like, you steal something and have the preachers run after you as you're running away and fleeing in your pickup truck or something? No, there, there are no preachers. So I could have, I could, probably could have stolen the entire church and just put it in my trunk. It was that small. <laughs> yeah. When but, you started this story, I thought you were going to say that all these letters were being written to God, and you took them home to answer them. <laughs> <laughs> Is my answer that big? <laughs> no, but uh, you know. Or Hanukkah, was, Harry. It was, right. Yeah, it was very indicative of what what was going on in this entire country. I think not just. You should have just written like no after each one of them. <laughs> No, sorry, go back, take another number in line. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. all right, well, I mean, and, and it's so interesting, too, because, you know, we're, we're urbanites, and you went down to Georgia. So we, we want to be nice. We're, we're, we're equal so opportunity. So went down to Georgia? 
What? The devil went down to the Georgia. The devil went down to Georgia. Yeah, we're equal opportunity offenders here on the Stupid Cancer Show, but I've always found it very culture shocking when I go to like non New York places. Even Chicago kind of weirds me out because it's not New York, but going down to Georgia, was that complete like. I <laughs> love it. I mean, actually, half of my, well, maybe a third of my book takes place in Alabama because I was just like, get me to the backwoods. I mean, I just kind of love it. I think. You know, I don't want to be an urbanite with my head up my ass, not saying that you are, Matthew, but I know that I have the propensity <laughs> to be that sometimes. I'm talking about me, and I can be that way sometimes. And, and so I think it's really important for me to broaden my horizons and realize, you know, who's sharing the rest of this country with me. And, um, my God, the people were so nice, except for when they're praying in a binder. that They were so nice, and I had a great time. And where they're defaming our president in, in, uh, in, in Scripture. Yeah, there, there is. It's a different world politically down there for sure. But yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was really, it was really nice. Everything was very slow, and I got to kind of relax a little bit. Which so I would awesome. do well down there. Is that Jack what you're would do fine. Jack would be lynched in ten seconds down there. Yeah. <laughs> so, I took way less. The same bus down there. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> I took way less Xanax down there than I do in the rest of my life normally. So it was good. It was definitely a sign of relaxation. Well, while you were gallivanting with your fried green tomatoes, uh, Jack and I here in New York, uh, we have some really great recap news to, to let everyone up, bring everyone up to speed on what's been going on here. And uh, I think the, the coolest things, uh, huge props to uh, Tom Murdoch. I know he's not listening tonight because he's getting married, owns a business, and doesn't sleep anymore. Sorry, Tom. But, uh, yeah, Tom raised us uh, $10,000 at uh, the second annual Stupid Cancer Barbecue what cookout-a-thon is that what we called it? Something like that. So crazy props we to Tom also, Murdoch. We, can, we should also incorporate rainathon because both barbecues. Yeah, it was a rainathon. So ten thousand dollars from Tom Murdoch's barbecue. Amazing. Yeah, that was huge. We also had a uh, our first uh, first annual, or actually, I was told you can't call something the first annual when it's the first annual. It's inaugural. It's the inaugural. Right? So right. we've had the inaugural um, Stupid Cancer Golf Tournament in Binghamton which is my alma mater, so it was nice to go back there and, uh, and see the campus again. But I, I, Jack and I, um, we, we pretended to golf. We didn't have any bogeys that day. No, <laughs> no bogeys. <laughs> we we pretended didn't to... have any parts. We didn't have any clubs or balls either. <laughs> well, you speak for yourself on the balls, man. I don't know. All right, well, I had clubs. Okay, fair enough. So we had the golf tournament. Um, we had uh, I, our first annual Actually, no, our, our, our inaugural. inaugural. I'm just going to call it first annual because we're totally doing it again next year. We had a leadership boot camp retreat at this tiny little bed and breakfast in Vermont. And uh, it was just such a fabulous, life-changing experience to bring like 20 of our key Uber volunteer people together from all across the country to be in the same place at the same time to talk about our organization, the Young Adult Movement, really put our heads together and think about what are the next best steps to really focus and keep the momentum going. And uh, there are so many pictures on Facebook of these events, and embarrassing and some are not that embarrassing, but just quite extraordinary. Um, other cool things are, are the stupidcancer.com wristbands, which we've been um, uh, sort of teasing people about for quite a while now, are uh, just about ready to be sold. We will have them online at Amazon within the next couple of weeks, and hopefully uh, we will satiate uh, or quench the thirst of the international need that has been put out there. And just to refresh people's memories who are listening, we did a black wristband campaign with Spencer's Gifts in the malls, and we sold out nationwide. 17,000 wristbands sold out in three days. And we've been getting emails from all over the world saying, where are, where, how can we get these? How can we get these? Yeah, we got like South Africa, Holland, Germany. I got one from Egypt. Egypt? Yeah. So, yeah, there's a... People want our wristbands. I thought the wristband fad was, was done. I didn't tell you this because I was saving it for tonight. I was in uh, Seattle, Washington the last three days. I was at uh, the Gorge, which is a big venue uh, for Dave Matthews concerts. Cool. Saw a guy wearing one of our bracelets in the parking lot. Just randomly? Randomly. Like you didn't give it to him? I know. There was one guy I gave mine to because right. we had a good conversation. He had just returned from the Livestrong Challenge in Philly. But there was another guy who... Uh, who uh, was wearing a Livestrong bracelet and one of ours, and I talked to him for a minute. He said he got it at Spencer's Gift. That's crazy awesome. So he he must have been uh, you know in that in that three day period. The three day period, yeah, the race. So yeah, we'll be launching our wristbands real soon. Uh, we launched the our Stupid Cancer newsletter for the summer. You can get it at newsletter 
i2y.com. I'll probably be re-releasing it in mid-September because I probably shouldn't have released it in August when everyone was away uh, and not actually reading their emails. But I think the biggest news for the summer, and I've already shared this with everybody, and this was put on a note on my Facebook page, is that uh, Stand Up to Cancer, those folks that we were very critical of last summer, uh, have opened their doors to us, and we met them in uh, Los Angeles in uh, late July, I believe, and had a very, very just a, a, a amazing conversation uh, with them, a real dialogue with them, specifically about um, you know the direction that we want to take our cause, the young adult needs, biology, epidemiology, the future of research, a really fascinating intellectual cognitive conversation, uh, a level we were not expecting to have with them, and we're really blown away. And we're partnered with them. We're officially partnered with them. And, you know, stand up to stupid cancer is what we're going to be saying. So uh, very exciting stuff on the horizon for that. So uh, they're paying attention. The young adult voice has been heard. Um, we have not achieved our mission, but we have moved that much more forward in our mission to get the young adult cause on the radar and in the spotlight. So th that's a pretty comprehensive recap, wouldn't you say? Yeah. I mean, we had a busy month. We had a really busy month. Well, all you people were on vacation... Someone in the chat room just asked me who I'm talking to. I'm talking to myself, actually. I'm, I'm actually listening to you. <laughs> my ADD's kicked in, but it's not, it's not an, uh, that bad. The Stupid Cancer Show has three hosts. Uh, Carol Rosenthal is my official partner in crime. She is on the phone live in Chicago. And uh, here in the studio, we have Jack Buffard, who is I2I's chief cancer anarchist. We are all young adult survivors. We are all on the show live every Monday, and we try to have as much fun as possible, although Jack is still here, so it's not going to be that fun. Uh, just do your best. All right, I will do my best. And if anything goes wrong, we'll just blame Drew. Hey, we got blue. Hey, blame Drew in the chat room. All right, I'm going to blame Drew's cancer that Jack's still here. <laughs> well, you can also blame my oncologist that I'm still here too. <laughs> All right, I'm blaming blaming Drew's cancer that Jack's oncologist screwed up. There we go. Very nice, very nice. Welcome, Drew. It's good to see you. Yeah, here. Drew, thanks for being on the show, man. We've got to get you on. We've got to get you be welcome, one of these guests. Welcome to all of our new listeners. We've got a lot of people in the chat room tonight, a lot of people listening in. This show is also simulcast at numerous cancer centers around the country. And uh, we know that a lot of nurses and social workers play this show for their inpatients or they podcast it after the show uh, airs on Mondays. And it's just so amazing. We have over 22,000 listeners on this show after five seasons. And I couldn't be prouder or happier to uh, be broadcasting these messages and giving people the amazing opportunities to, to listen to great guests and to learn about the Young Adult Movement, what's really going on on our end. And if you go to guests.i2y.com, that's guests, plural, .i2y.com, you will see that our entire fall lineup is practically full. And you'll get a real glimpse into what our themes are going to be, who our guests are going to be, and it's just going to be an extraordinary season. So with that said, I want to thank Carol again for helping me program the fall season. Uh, she worked her butt off to get some really amazing people on, and we hope you enjoy it. And, of course, send us email. We want to hear from you. We want to know what you want to hear about. Um, later in the season, we're probably opening up the call centers. We'll be taking just general calls, and uh, it's going to be great. So, uh, Carol, any final words before we uh, hit the news? You know, I would just love to plug uh, my – Of course. My experience that I'm having tomorrow, um, you know, a lot, a lot of people out there have their, their cancer idols. Maybe it's Lance Armstrong. Maybe it's somebody else who's gone through this big old cancer battle. But my, my, my idol and the person who kept me going through cancer was actually not a cancer patient. It's Terry Gross from NPR's Fresh Air because this woman knows how to talk to people about real things that are happening in their life, and she was such a huge motivating force for me to go out and write my book. So I'm so thrilled that I got to sit down and do an hour-and-a-half-long interview with Terry Gross and Eva Scotch, who's another young adult cancer survivor. And we are going to be on Fresh Air with Terry Gross tomorrow um, for a whole hour talking about young adult cancer. So check out your local NPR station tomorrow, September 8th, and find when Fresh Air with Terry Gross is playing and have a listen. She is a fantastic woman, and it's so exciting to have this young adult cancer cause be brought to a national, you know, medium, and not just for like a little five or ten minute soundbite, but she really cared enough to do an entire show about young adult cancer on Fresh Air. So please have a listen. Yeah, and I got to tell you, this is the equivalent of me having lunch with Billy Joel. 
that's the level of insanity that this is for Carol to sit down with this woman. Yeah, she's 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 it for me. She's the end all be all. So it was it was pretty it was pretty lovely talking to her and and uh, being interviewed by her. All righty. Well, uh, kudos to you, and I I remain jealous for the vicarious non Billy Joel relationship that yeah. I have with him. We'll 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 make Billy happen for you someday soon. Someday soon. If anyone out there knows we'll Billy Joel, yeah, I need my yeah. I, you know, it's funny. You reach a certain point where you can you can kind of cash in some chips and meet lots of different people. I can't quite get to Billy Joel. So if anyone out there in listener land knows Billy Joel, please let him know that there's a. Uh, and don't don't send us the lead singer from Green Day. That's no, Billy Joel. That's Billy Joel. We want Billy Joel. Yeah, there's there's a portly Jewish guy with no hair in Manhattan that is really looking forward to meeting him at some point. Uh, anyway, all right, so let's let's hit the news here. Hello, I'm Kent Brockman, and this is I on Cancer. Just the facts, ma'am. Okay, during this part of the Stupid Cancer Show, we announce worthy news stories to our adoring listeners to inform them about the latest and greatest in young adult programs. That is free young adult programs, services, events, and projects. If you have something that you'd like to hear broadcast during this segment, please fax it to us at 646-861-2565. That's 646-861-2565. Or send it to Jack Buffard. His email is jack at i2y.com. That's jack at i2y.com. All right, let's uh, breeze through the news here, bro. Okay, well, I feel obligated to start with everything changes. The insider's ah. guide to cancer is going to dirty. Everything changes. The insider's guide to cancer in your twice and thirties is the somewhat new release book, newly released book written by our very own stupid cancer co-host Carol Rosenthal. Everything changes. That's the sugar coating off of the young adult cancer experience. It is packed with gripping stories and an unprecedented collection of young adult cancer resources. Everything changes is available wherever books are sold, and you can visit the book's website at everythingchangesbooks.com. Moving on to the B list in the news. <laughs> We have a lot of new upcoming scheduled events, so head on over to events.i2y.com. You can see all the uh, Stupid Cancer Happy Hours we have coming up, um, all the other uh, official I2Y events. And the one that I am most excited about, which has been put together by Karen Diamond, who is my new BFF, my new Connecticut Hodgkin Survivor Connecticut BFF. BFF. Right. Um, uh, Karen and I are working with Hartford Hospital and putting on a Stupid Cancer Happy Hour in Hartford, Connecticut, and we're really excited because it's going to be a big event because everyone in Connecticut's like, you guys do stuff in Boston, you do stuff in New York, what's going on with Connecticut? So Karen, I want to thank you for your efforts, and uh, it's going to be on September 29th, so head on over to events.i2y.com for all the info. Next up, we have 70k.org. That's the word 70, the letter K.org. There are approximately 70,000 people age 15 to 39, diagnosed with cancer every year. For over two decades, there has been little or no improvement in survival for this age group. By signing this bill, you are supporting the Adolescent and Young Adult Cancer Bill of Rights to be established as the standard for care to meet the needs of this underserved population. That's 70k.org. Cancer care programs have young adult groups that are active and running. The following cancer care groups are Living with Cancer, Life After Cancer, Young Adults Loss of a Parent, Young Women with Breast Cancer, Young Adult Individual Grief Counseling, and Young Adult Caregivers for All Diagnoses and Relationships. Head on over to CancerCare.org or you can email our friend Julie Larson at jlarson at CancerCare.org. Boston, Massachusetts, October 23rd to the 25th, Planet Cancer is presenting one of their retreats. Planet Cancer Retreats are a unique weekend experience bringing young adults together for recreation, relaxation, and sharing. Head on over to planetcancer.org. And again, this is in Boston, Massachusetts, October 23rd to the 25th. And this is a free event, which is always good because we like free in the uh, cancer world. Saturday, September 19th in New York City, our friend, our dear friend, my DC BFF, Tadika Felder. Yes. You may recognize that name as the beautiful woman in all my DC happy hour pictures with me. Tamika Felder of Tamika and Friends Cervical Cancer and HPV Prevention and Awareness Walk is being held in New York City Saturday, September 19th from 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. 
For more information, head on over to TamikaAndFriends.org or you can email Tamika at walk at TamikaAndFriends.org. You know I'll be there. Yes, sir. Can't Make a Dream is hosting their Women's Cancer Retreat October 8th through the 11th in beautiful Missoula, Montana. For more information, head on over to CampDream.org. This one I already did, so I'm going to toss that. This one I already did, I'm going to toss that. Jeff's tired tonight. Oh, tired, dude. I got three hours of sleep on the plane. Survivor, step into motion. Are you a, a young adult cancer survivor who would like to begin an exercise program? I know I'm not, but if you are, you can email Santina Horowitz at shorowitz, H-O-R-O-W-I-T-Z, at lifespan.org. Previous re- research has shown that exercise can provide a number of benefits to cancer survivors, such as improve their mood and reduce fatigue. To be eligible, you must be between the ages of 18 and 39, have been diagnosed with cancer between those ages, and have been diagnosed in the last 10 years, and currently be in remission. So again, email shorowitz at lifespan.org. I want to let everyone know, as Jack's reading the news, he's slanting and sloping over the desk. I am tired, I will tell you that. All right. Three concerts in a, in a, on the West Coast kicked my butt. Okay, finally. And this is for all the new listeners out there. There's a lesson to be learned from my bad experience. <laughs> we have Live On, sperm banking by mail for cancer patients. Don't do what I did, fellas. Mailing sperm without a Live On kit is frowned on by our federal government. You can't just throw it in an envelope and mail it to the fertility clinic. You need a sperm banking by mail kit. For more information on sperm banking by mail, go to www.liveonkit.com. Live sperm banking by mail is made possible by our good friends at Fertile Hope, and I would personally like to send a big thank you out to the law firm of Dewey, Scrum, and Howe for clearing up my sticky situation with the United States Postal Service. <laughs> and that, my friends, is your stupid cancer news. Oh, boy. Good night, everybody. I'm going to bed. All right. Let's just get to it. Ethan Zahn was a soccer goalkeeper at Vassar and played professionally for the Hawaii Tsunami and Cape Cod Crusaders of the United Soccer League and in Zimbabwe. That's in Africa. For Highlanders Football Club, he parlayed his victory on Survivor Africa by donating a chunk of his million-dollar first prize money to starting Grassroot Soccer, an organization whose goal is to mobilize the global soccer community to combat AIDS in Africa. He's been all around the world but was diagnosed with stage 2 Hodgkin's lymphoma this spring and is now having to deal with endless media jokes about how the guy from Survivor is now a survivor. <laughs> What's more, his birthday, 11-12, is my wedding anniversary, which has nothing to do with anything I just wanted to say. So that makes you both survivors. Please welcome, oh Jesus, please welcome Ethan Zahn. All right, Ethan, you here? What's up, everybody? Hey, Ethan. I'm psyched I got the clap. I, I, was, ner- I was nervous I wasn't going to You're get the psyched clap. you got the clap. Let's break that down. <laughs> <laughs> now, did, did this I mean, happen during the time, time in Africa? This is for the yeah. second time. What, what country were you in when that happened? Uh, multiple countries, guys. That, this is why Bono does what he does, too, out in Africa. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, how the hell are you? This is great. This is this is my big moment. You guys are talking about meeting Billy Joel, meeting other you know huge can- people in the cancer world. This is my moment. I'm on your radio show. You know this is this is it. This me. is bigger than meeting Jenna Maraska. Yeah, this, this <laughs> is it's up there with meeting Jenna. I'm Maraska. sorry you have such low standards. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. So what have you been up to, man? How's life? Life is all right. Life is great um, in this new world that I've uh, become. But um, no, yeah, things are pretty good. I've had a, obviously a, a pretty hectic summer, but things are starting to shape up, and uh, you know I can uh, see the light at the end of the tunnel. I guess you can say. Good for you. Well, yeah, I mean you're you're all over the place between your your stand up the cancer pieces and your People magazine blog and your Facebook status. Live strong, Philly. Yeah, yeah, and congratulations on that. I saw the pictures. It looked great. Thank you. Yeah, it was uh, it was a good time. It was me and. Uh, my boy Drew Olenoff, who I think's in the chat room, we uh, we co-hosted the thing together, so it was pretty cool. So um, why don't you recap? I mean, I'm, uh, pretty much everyone listening probably knows already, but just for the <laughs> sake of the three people who live in Zimbabwe that are listening that may not know your story, and I, we love Zimbabwe here on the Stupid Cancer Show, uh, why don't you talk us through uh, how 2009's been panning out for you? 
Yeah, so I mean, I mean, my my story is I'd imagine similar to to a lot of other um, cancer survivors out there. But I was just living my normal life. I was playing soccer, training for a marathon, going about my business, and I I had some I basically had really itchy skin, and I couldn't figure out what it was. And I went to the doctors. I went I went to the dermatologist. They prescribed creams and pills and light treatment and everything, and nothing worked. And with the allergist, nothing worked. And uh, finally, you know, I, I had a, a pretty little sore. I thought I'd pulled a muscle in my neck, and I, I later found out that, you know, obviously it was a swollen lymph node. Had it checked out, um, and then uh, got a little chest X-ray, and they found one of those masses in my chest. And uh, from there, I was diagnosed with, uh, it was actually a rare form of Hodgkin's lymphoma called CD20-positive Hodgkin's lymphoma, which occurs in about 5% of Hodgkin's patients. And, um, you know, since then I was on a, uh, what happened? Then I was on uh, R-CHOP. Chemo. Chemo. <laughs> chemo, which I've renamed Chemo, which uh, I'd like to pass on to anyone who'd like to use that. Um, that was Matt's nickname when he was in treatment. <laughs> and I wasn't even on chemo. That was just the way that their affection for me. They just assumed. <laughs> that happens. You know, I've met you guys in person. I can see what uh, where that would come from. <laughs> Very nice. So what exactly is RCHOP, Ethan? Someone in the chat room was asking about your regiment. Do you oh, know what, what do they actually? What do those letters actually stand for? Yeah. Oh, you think I remember that stuff? You know, oh, it's uh, it's right. Robitussin. Yeah, Robitussin. <laughs> Preparation uh, H. Charleston Chew. Um, <laughs> no, I know it's right. Right. Um, I don't even know, guys. I know the P is for prednisone, and the R is for right. Toxin, and then. Uh, Always for Oncovin or something. Well, our, our chops are pretty standard yeah. uh, regimen, right? Yeah, I think it's pretty standard. I mean, from what I know, which is, you know, probably what most of you guys know, but, uh, you know, the standards seem to be, you know, A, B, V, D, and then our chop, and which was, it was uh, twice a month for uh, six, for, for three months, so six total treatments. And then um, I didn't go, I didn't have radiation, which is great. I'm psyched about that. But I just had a bunch of tests last week, you know, the normal standard, you know, one-month follow-up. And uh, had a PET scan and a CT scan, and we're just waiting for those results to come back. And then uh, hopefully I'll get a clean bill of health. You're at Sloan? I am at Sloan. And who's your doctor? By a woman by the name of Dr. Carol Portlock. She's uh, fantastic. So. She knows what she's doing? Yeah, she knows a lot. Yeah, she knows what she's doing. She knows more than me, which is really all that matters. <laughs> Very nice. Very yeah. nice. And uh, so I, I guess the uh, the question of the day, we have a couple of questions in the chat room. I know Carol has a whole bunch of questions for you. Is Sure. How are you dealing with life without hair? Oh, my God. I mean, my hair is my identity. You know, it's what people know me for. It's kind of, it's all that I am. And it was, uh, but I can't lie, it's been pretty cool without hair. You know, uh, my girlfriend Jenna, she loves it. She thinks I look like a badass, you know. I got all these scars on my chest now. I got no hair. Before, I was like some preppy little, you know, kid with a Jufro walking around Manhattan. And now I'm like this, you know, badass guy that walks around and takes no prisoners. <laughs> yeah, you're much more intimidating. <laughs> Thank you. She's like, ah, oh, she's psyched. She has, a, she has a whole new boyfriend. You know, it's like uh, I don't have to dress up anymore. Like makes everyone should get cancer, right? They don't I mistake him so. for a suit from the Muppets anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. No, you look good though. You look good with your new look, and uh, you look you look good in People Magazine and on the People dot com blog. Yeah, you know, and you really, you know, that's all that matters because, as we all know, you're you're only as good as you look in this world, and uh, no. that's why I'm getting nowhere in life. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're toasting your own freaking radio show. He's good at that. He's good at that. That's at the end time. of the day, when you're bald, everyone yeah, realizes that they. they see... Go ahead, host. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Thank you, Jack, wow. for letting me finish my sentence. I should call you my father because all he does is interrupt me. Speak uh, up, you moron. Exactly, exactly. And I was going to say, once people are bald, they realize that they've only been doing it secretly to be Johnny Amarun. <laughs> <laughs> but I, what I was going to say when I rudely interrupted you, Mr. Host of the Show, Thank you. and founder and CEO of the organization, uh, Ethan's key word in that was hosting a radio show because I can't be on television. I don't have a face for television. Jack has a face, face for, for radio. radio. I know. I picked out a whole new outfit tonight for your guys' show, and then I realized it was radio. And it was Although I am on Dr. Oz next week. Yes, he is. Jack is not on Dr. Oz. You're, you're in the audience. No, no, no. I did a, <laughs> I, I did a segment for him 
last Monday, which was used on the show that I sat in the audience for. Get out of here. Really? Yeah, I thought you knew that. I did the, no. I did the spot, and then they used the spot for That's the day. That's big news, man. Jack Buford on Dr. Oz. Yeah, so the... Uh, Ethan, if I could take over your interview. Please do. Uh, <laughs> we got me. We, we, we don't want to lose our audience, right? Right. Exactly. Um, My yeah, mom so would be upset. The show, the, the season premiere for uh, Dr. Oz's new show is uh, next Monday, the 14th. And the episode that my spot is in is the Battle of the Sexes show. So uh, it, it's definitely going to be on sometime next week. I don't know which day. So Interesting. That's yeah. so crazy. We're so connected because my girlfriend's survivor was Battle of the Sexes. It was boys versus girls. Oh. It's crazy, right? There you go. There you go. All right, Jack, you can go home now. Bye. Yeah. All right, Carol, let's bring you up. You're up, Carol. Whatever you ask, ask away. I'm going to ask away. I'm not Hi, Carol. Funny, but I'm serious, and i got some serious questions just okay. brewing not, in my mind here. I'm not so serious. I, that's but you're all right. on serious. We'll figure it out. We'll have a little Battle of the Sexes <laughs> right. here. Cool. So, all right, you know, I've talked to a slew of people traveling around the country, talking to all these young adults who are living with cancer. And one thing that I heard over and over again was that the hardest phase of cancer for them was life right after treatment. And it sounds to me like you are in life right after treatment right now. And I'm wondering what that's like for you. That's a very good question. No, I mean, it is um, pretty difficult because you're like, what do you do now? You know, you're for the past three months, four months you've been so focused on yourself and getting yourself better and there's been all this attention from your family and your friends and everyone's loving you and sending you notes and flowers and food and everything and then all of a sudden they think once you're done with your last chemotherapy session they're like all right you're cured you know you're ready to go let's you know move on with our life but i'm gonna you're in that no man's land where you know what do you do next and it's it's been a little bit difficult um and, you know, it's the waiting game. You know, I'm still waiting for these test results. And then after that, you got to, you know, slowly bring yourself back to health and, you know, fitness and stuff. And um, for me, you know, it's, it's, I feel a little bit lost, to tell you the truth. Um, you know, you take a backseat at work. and um, But I think it's just with time. And um, I think it's going to start getting better. And then I think I think actually it takes a while for the – to you just accept – I mean, for me, it's – I think it's going to take a while for anyone to just realize what just happened. Like, it was some pretty serious stuff that went on, as we all know. I mean, it's the closest I've ever been to, you know, death in my life. And um, so I think that takes a while to sit in and and to really kind of uh, just to figure out really what just happened to myself. And uh, I think that will take at least, you know, a good year, you know, two years to really figure out what I went through and how I feel and what's the next steps. Um, but what's, I think, the, what's it like for you waiting for these PET scans to come back? You know, it's a time that so many people talk about. It just can be like hell. Is it hell for you or are you pushing it out of your mind? Does your mind go to dark places? What's it like? I'm very good at... Uh, Swallowing things and pushing them down to the to the place where you don't have to think about it. But you know, every once in a while they surface, and I think it's okay to have those dark moments. And I think it's okay to kind of just every now and then to sit back and freak out and have a good cry and yell and scream and be pissed off and angry. But then on the you know another thing, I, I use those moments of um, you know you know you I use all that anger and all that feeling being scared and and not knowing what's going to happen next, I use that and I kind of turn it against itself and use that as fuel to, you know, turn the negative into a positive, really. And um, that's a, a big thing that I've been focusing on and every, try, everyone has helped me focus on is staying positive. Mm-hmm. And I've read a lot about it and everyone says you have to stay positive, you have to have a sense of humor, you know, you kind of got to push on and live your life um, like you were living it before, you know. Don't let cancer take hold of you. You know, you got to, uh, you know, got to be proactive and you got to own your cancer, and uh, that's kind of, you know, you, you got to to make things happen for you. You know, I have this dialogue going on uh, on my blog. I posted this blog, I think, last night about, you know, how you respond when people call you strong. You know, I mean, I think everybody gets that. Like, you have cancer, you're, you're, you're so strong. Oh, my God, you're so strong. But, do people say that to you, and how do you respond? I mean, does it does it feel like that fits the description of living through cancer, or what's what's the strength part? Do you feel like you're strong? How do you respond when people say that? 
I, well, I, I say thank you. And <laughs> no, I, I do. I, I mean, I, I think anyone who's diagnosed with cancer is strong. You have to be strong to deal with every aspect of this disease. And, um, you know, I think it's more, you know, for them kind of reassuring. I think the people who say that is reassuring themselves that, you know, one of their friends or family members, are, you're going to be okay. And mm-hmm. that's that's one thing that I am going to be okay. And I know that. And it's for them, you know, it does take a strong person to get through this, but I think anyone would be strong. You read everyone who's a cancer survivor, whether you you get through this or, or you do not, it's a, takes a strong person to deal with what's going on. Yeah, I mean, you don't have a, who has a choice, right? You don't. You, there's no <laughs> other choice. It's like the ultimate, you, you have to survive, you have to win, you have to get yeah. through this. And um, yeah. whatever it takes to do that, you know, um, you know, will get done. You know, when I was diagnosed, I was a choreographer and a dancer, and I had this incredibly physically active life, and it really threw people for a loop. They sort of wanted to know, like, why did I get my cancer? Because it obviously isn't explained. Like, I was not a couch potato, so why did I get it? And um, wouldn't, wouldn't we love to all know that answer? Maybe we would have a cure if we knew the answer to that. But do you feel that people have responded to you in a particular way because of your background with, you know, phys- being really physically active? I mean, I mean, I think it's just been—it's been a shock to everyone, mm-hmm. and it kind of just goes to to prove that you know cancer doesn't care, you know, uh, cancer doesn't care who you are, what color, race, shape, size you are, you know, it doesn't care if you've suffered before, you know, cancer is—it's a beast and it can take over anyone, whether I've sat on my butt and smoked cigarettes and eat buffalo wings my whole life, or don't make like, fun of Jack like that. Sorry, sorry, Jack. Yeah, sorry. I don't that smoke was, cigarettes. Um, or me you know I've been an athlete my whole life you know that's what I thrive on that's like my thing you know growing up all through high school playing college professional soccer you know I just dribbled a soccer ball 550 miles from Boston to Washington D.C. and you know two months after that you know you could have just shifted it right (laughs) I could have yeah but that would you know made my calves look really good by the end of it Um, so you know I it's, I don't even remember the question, to tell you the truth. But um, what was the question? Well, there's a oh. question in the chat room, Carol, if I could just interrupt real quick. Uh, yeah. A, a repeated question in the chat room is, I mean, you're only you're you're barely, you know, getting to the point of, like, what next. But what has compelled you thus far to become an advocate and become so outspoken about it and to sort of use your, your celebrity status for this? There are so many famous people out there at all different levels of celebrity who just don't do anything. And, uh, you know, what is it about that, who you've met, how you've experienced, what you've gone through, that has compelled you to want to give back? That was a question in the chat room? I I sort of uh, embellished it a little. Erica (laughs) asked that question. Yes. Um, Well, for me, you know, I I was talking about, you know, when you're diagnosed, what do you do? For for me, in order to kind of take control of what was happening to me, you know, in order to own my cancer, I for me, I want to take it public. And then, trust me, I battled with the decision whether I want to take this public because it's a very, as we all know, dark and lonely, ugly, disgusting time of your life. And I wasn't sure what would happen if I kind of opened up my life to complete strangers all over again. But for me... Um, for me, it, it, I ha- it was empowering to, to take this public, and for, I had an, a, a unique opportunity um, because of you know being on television before that um, I had this as a platform to kind of be, as you guys know, this megaphone for this young adult generation. And if I could help one person who is at home with you know itchy skin and sleepless nights and sweaty nights, maybe. Uh, realize what's going on, or if I can, you know, educate or inspire others out there, then that makes this cancer thing all worth it for me. You know, it's almost like turning it against itself. And, you know, I'm going to use this as a, you know, a way to kind of change the world if I can. And it's, I'm lucky. I'm the lucky one because, I, you know, I get to do this. How cool is that, that I get to go out there and be the face of cancer and be able to, you know, show people that you can get through this with a smile on your face, that you can survive this and hopefully help caretakers and battlers and people who have survived it and, and you know, everyone out there. And that, for me, that's an honor and it's a gift. And I want to, you know, treasure that and make that, uh, you know, my, my new life, life path. 
Yeah, and Ethan, uh, it's also important, you know, for people to see someone like you, um, you know, as an athlete and someone who, you know, was in good shape physically and led a healthy lifestyle and then got sick. And a lot of people think like, you know, well, smokers are going to get cancer. I'm not, and, you know, and I'm doing all the right things. But, you know, there's so many of us who, who, who do take care of our, ourselves and our bodies and we get sick. And there's so many young adults who get sick and people don't realize that. And, you know, you, you are a gift to, you know, to, to America and the world because you are showing everybody that people our ages do get sick and that relatively healthy people and athletes and, and the like do get sick. And you're, you're raising a lot of awareness for that, and I commend you for it. Thank you. Appreciate that. So, Ethan, um, before you leave, I want to I want everybody to know how they can keep following you and following your story, and you know, tell us a little bit about what you've been doing with people and how how people can uh, get hold of you there and sure. your story. Well, in taking my battle public, I, yeah, as I said, I've been very fortunate. To obviously, hang out with you guys on shows like this. But if you know, I'm uh, I get a um, I've been lucky enough to. Uh, have a weekly uh, video blog on people.com. So usually every Thursday, like a one to two minute video is released on people.com. So you can check it out. And uh, also, you know, I'm constantly updating my, you know, Facebook and Twitter uh, about, you know, things that I'm doing and articles that come out. And, um, you know, you can also hit my own website, ezon.com, and feel free to email me through there. Um, I try to get back to everyone uh, as much as possible. Any questions you have, and any way I can help anyone out there, I'd love to. And you guys at it, 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 I2I, or, you know, I'm too young for this, has been the, pretty much the first person I spoke to and talked about in this whole new world was Matt once I got diagnosed. I met him, and uh, we all sat down. We sat down for about an hour, hour and a half, and just chatted about stuff, because I had no idea what was going on in my life, and everyone was, you know, blasting me with this charity, this charity, and, you know, obviously I sided with the best ones, which is yours, right, Matt? Uh, of course it is. Yes, of course. No, but I'm grateful for the cancer community because they just welcome me with open arms, and uh, the community's been so supportive of everything that I've done, and I couldn't, you know, I gained strength knowing that we're kind of all fighting this together, and that's so, so overwhelming, and it's so comforting knowing that and uh, I just want to thank everyone out there who supported me and uh, keep supporting me and keep supporting young adults with cancer well Ethan you're welcome to stay on the line while we talk to Dr. Sender if you have anything to chime in or you just want to hear what he has to say or whatnot. Sure. Um, but uh, so, but thank you for coming on the show it won't be the last time for sure no, and I um, so. I'm sure Jack and I will see you soon definitely thank you guys alright Ethan. Ethan's on everybody's going to stick around yes I get the clap on the way out too most people do. Alrighty. Um, here we go. Dr. Leonard Sender, or Lenny, as we affectionately call him, speaks with the funniest accent I've ever heard. And I have no idea what he's saying half the time. He also uses his Bluetooth handset, which makes every fourth word understandable. That's true. But uh, outside of that, he's one of the nation's leading oncologists in pediatric, adolescent, and young adult uh, research, uh, clinical treatment, care, and advocacy, and he's also the chairman of the board for I2I. Please welcome the one and only Dr. Leonard Sender. Lenny. Hi, Matt. Hi, Carol. Jack. Hi, Lenny. Hey, Lenny. You know, I, I wish you guys the best uh, for this new uh, season of the, the radio show. And uh, I am trying to take lessons, Matt, in trying to change my accent. But so far, I've been asking for my refund. Just moved to Brooklyn for a few years. <laughs> Is my there a Rosetta Stone this. tape for that? They have Jewish people in Brooklyn, right? Yeah. Rosetta Stone for Brooklyn, that's what we yeah. <laughs> Anyway, it's been a great show so far. It's been good listening to everyone. Well, you know, we're so lucky to have you on here, Lenny, because you, after all, are the voice of the doctor side of things. And I'm wondering if I can grill you with a couple doctorly kinds of questions here. Go, go ahead. You know, we have a lot of new listeners, and so I want to do just a really quick sort of like young adult cancer 101. I'm wondering if you can talk to us a little bit about what the most common kinds of cancer are that are found in young adults. Sure. Um, so just to set the stage, about 1.4 million Americans will get cancer this year. And of that, about 55,000 will get it between age 15 and 39. And if you include some of the pediatric cancers, that makes the 70,000 
under the age of 40 get cancer. Uh, so it's a really rare disease, and rare, and that's where the problem arises. So if you look at that 55,000, and women, the commonest cancers to occur in that age group are going to be breast cancer, and um, then there's melanoma, thyroid cancer, cancer of the ovary, but not the type that the older woman get. This is a type similar to the way the men get testicular cancer. It's called a germ cell tumor. And then you start getting down into the rarer cancers where you start getting leukemia and sarcomas on the lower end of the spectrum. But the big ones, Hodgkin's disease, non-Hodgkin's disease, Ethan's disease, which is now we believe a form of non-Hodgkin's, although it's still sometimes called Hodgkin's, it, it is a newer disease. We're just learning to split diseases apart. So, in fact, before we used to think of about 10 or 11 different types of cancers that affect the young adult, and now we actually, some of us believe that the number is going to really get a lot bigger than that, and maybe 20 or 30 different types, because we're going to subdivide them and subdivide them. So, again, just to recap, thyroid cancer, for example, makes up about 5 to 10% of the cancers that occur. Lymphoma is about 20%. Breast cancer um, you know, starts occurring as well. And in fact, by the time you get to 30 to 39, breast cancer is the largest number of cancers that occur. And interestingly, breast cancer under the age of 40 makes up more patients with cancer than the entire pediatric cancer patient population under 15. And everyone says to you, well, there's only a few patients who have it. And you think about how much work has been done in pediatric cancer and how little work actually may have been done previously in breast cancer. Talk about the kind of work that needs to be done when we're looking at young adult cancers. And we hear so much about raising money for scientific research. What kind of actual scientific, specific scientific research are we on the cusp of or do we need to focus our attention to when we look at young adult cancers? I think it's a very good question. I think, you know, I'm a believer that right now that all cancer research is important, that there's a tremendous amount of excitement in our field because we're developing and understanding new pathways of how a cell works every single day. And, in fact, I believe that those discoveries will be helpful to the young adult. But somehow they always leave out the tissue of the young adult cancer patients to study to see whether those new targets would have a role in the young adults. So, so the research is lagging behind because there are great new advances. So recently, you know, there was last week the FDA approved a new drug based on a pathway called Hedgehog, which is a cool name. It's sort of a jack-type name. <laughs> <laughs> and Hedgehog, you know, is going to work on basal cell carcinoma, but it turns out it also may have a role to play in medulloblastoma. Which Never is, heard of it which is a yeah. type that Matt had. And, you know, he used to be, I, I believe, talking to his family, he was a really nice guy before this medulloblastoma. <laughs> <story. laughs> but in reality, those two, if you look at them, would be totally uh, 180 degrees apart. No one would look at a single skin cancer called a basal cell and think that it had a role to play in someone with a medulla. So, in fact, all research is going to be important, but unless someone was smart enough, like the guys who just did the work on hedgehog and found a new drug which may change how we deal with that disease if you wouldn't have studied the tissue of the young adult cancer patients. So to me, when I look and say what research has been done, research has been done, but sometimes we lack what we call the biorepositories or biobanks or tissue banks, many names for the same thing. We need to get the tissue of a young adult cancer in the lab so that someone when they do their research can look at that tissue and see whether those new pathways, like hedgehog, which just got discovered, really has a role to play. And if it does, we may find new targets and, and speed up the, the advances that will occur in young adults with cancer. So cancer research is occurring. The problem is it's too general, and it's not looking down at specifics, and, it, and they leave out the tissues of the young adult cancer patient because there are no tissue banks for young adults, mm -hmm. or very small volume tissue bank. And one of the things that the young adult cancer movement is trying to do, and was part of the PRG and part of what LAF is trying to do and others, is to say we need to have 
tissue bank. So I think that would be one way to speed it up. And, it, you know, you bring up such a good point to, when you're speaking about ways that young adults can advocate for our needs, and these are really great specific examples. I'm, I'm curious, uh, are you guys, can you hear me? I can. Okay. I have a bit of an echo. Yeah. Oh, it's gone. There we go. Gremlins. Okay. Gremlins, gremlins. Gremlins, gremlins. Lenny, I'm curious about your perspective as a physician looking at doctor-patient relationships. You know, I hear so many young adults, patients in general, complaining about what it's like to go to the doctor and how their doctors don't listen and their doctors don't communicate well with them, which may be very true. But I'm also really interested in learning what patients can do better to make the communication easier and to facilitate better relationships with their doctors so that we're playing a role in it too. So I'm curious as a doctor, what you think patients can do to make your job easier? What can we do to make these doctor-patient relationships a bit smoother? Well, that's a, that's the $64 million question. I think the, the one thing that one of my colleagues and friends at the University of California, Irvine, recently developed was a program called Planned Patienthood. And really the concept was if you're an empowered patient, if you know the right questions to ask, and you show your physician that you really are thinking about it and taking ownership of your disease, I think that it, it changes the dialogue, and it changes it for the better. It, it becomes what, so much more of a team approach. Many patients somehow you know, are, are quiet. They, they don't check into it themselves. They don't find out about the disease that they maybe have. I think that's one of the problems. The, the main problem, I think, for young adults is that uh, the majority of the adult oncologists are trained to take care of an older adult population. And I think that they personally have a hard time taking care of the young adult. The young adult, is, it interferes with the normal thinking about cancer, where cancer is an old person's disease, and it's the end of your life, and you lived a long life. Here, here you're suddenly dealing with someone in their 20s or early 30s, it's a very different psychological approach, and, and a lot of the doctors just don't maybe enjoy that. So that's one possibility. Um, sometimes they say they're more difficult to deal with because you guys are always, you know, out there doing extreme sports and, and running off to Africa and doing survivorship shows and, and, you know, jumping off cliffs with, you know, fancy parachutes. But in reality, it, this is a very exciting time to be as a young adult. We, we are going to educate a new generation of doctors. That's our goal of I2Y. It's our goal of the academic community. It's to be able to bring this to the new medical students, to the residents, to the fellows. Those are the next generation of doctors, and we, need, and we will educate them about the unbelievable challenges that a young adult cancer patient has to deal with and how, as physicians, we can help them. But on the other hand, let's educate the patient to become totally empowered. So the, we, we're looking to reduce the risk of dismissive doctors. Yes. I like it. But I, I, I also think we need to remember the first part of Lenny's answer, too, which is patients becoming more empowered, and that once you show your doctor that you're seriously researching your disease and have really good questions to ask, that sometimes that's an inroad to them taking you more seriously, too. So if I, if I registered and trademarked planned patienthood, now, will I get in trouble, or does somebody already own it? Well, Sherry Kaplan from the University of California has that already, so I, I think we'd probably get into trouble, but it's the same concept. <laughs> Good. I like trouble. And you can't trademark Robitussin either. No. You know, she's got another one, which is called Nini. Um, I'm blocking on the term right now. I'll think about it after let you know. But the, but the concept is an empowered patient, although it's probably not a good term because it, it tells you it's a little bit like the one is is a cancer patient strong or weak when they're going through it? Everyone going through doesn't choose to be strong or weak. They've got it and they deal with it. Um, I think it's sort of, it's like, great, great, you're a survivor and you were strong and you fought. What did it mean to the ones who died? They, they, they weren't strong and they didn't fight. We've got, we got to move away from those terms which sometimes are dismissive of that everyone affected by cancer is trying to survive and is working hard to survive. And some make it, some don't. But being empowered, and today with an Internet, where it takes you a second to get on Google and find stuff, 
you know, you can go there and find it. And that's why I make, we have to make I2I even more and more relevant. We have to make sure that we have links to the right resources so that patients who newly diagnosed can find that information quickly. The tragedy is they often come to us late. And we've got to turn that around. We've got to get to patients really early on so we can empower them so that their doctors understand from day one that they're dealing with a different patient. And this patient really is expecting them to think outside their box, to think outside their comfort, find the right treatment, and, and to be honest, if they're not the right doctor for them, to get them to the right doctors. Well, there you go. I, I have a, a closing question for you, actually. Um, which is, I think you just went on your first vacation in 30 years. How was Australia? Australia was great. It was winter, and so it wasn't too bad, but it was very nice. It was a good break. Well, um, we, we'd love to have you back. You're always welcome, and, uh, you know, you need to move to New York. I, I, there I said it. I had to get it out of my, out of my head. Move to New York. Okay. Well, yeah. again, congratulations to all you guys. I hope this season will bring as many wonderful guests as you started off today with, and keep up the good work. Thank you, Lenny. Thanks, Lenny. Thanks for being here, Lenny. And thanks for uh, all your guidance with our organization. We really appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, we'd be nothing without your stewardship. So, Dr. Leonard Sender, I2I, chairman of the board. I should queue up some Sinatra, but I don't know how. We don't understand so. what you're saying, but we're definitely listening to you. Yeah. <laughs> That's all right. We'll take every fourth word. Thank you, Lenny. Have a great one. Thank you. All righty, Jack and Carol. Uh, I forgot to play something here. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had a musician on the show named Charlie Lustman. He played a great song called Made Me Nuclear. Yeah, I remember that. And, that was uh, a good song. It's a great song. He's going on a national tour, the Made Me Nuclear tour, and he sent us a 50-second PSA just saying hi to everybody. So let me, let me cue this up for everybody here. This is Charlie Lustman. Oh, awesome. Hey, Matthew and everybody out there. How are you guys doing? It's Charlie from Made Me Nuclear. Hello, Stupid Cancer Show audience. I am getting ready for a national tour of cancer centers across America. That's right, Made to Be Nuclear is going on the road to sing songs at all the cancer centers across America and make people feel a little better because this thing is just ridiculous. It's stupid. So here we go. I'm, I'm taking off tomorrow for San Francisco and playing songs like Made Me Nuclear, like this one. And they shot me, made me nuclear. Checking back with you, Matthew. Thanks for having me on the show. Hey, everybody out there, have a great day and a happy holiday. Ciao. All right. That was Charlie Lustman at MadeMeNuclear.com. The young adult survivor guy was radiated, and uh, he wrote a song called Made Me Nuclear, a whole one-man show about it. Crazy talented stuff. Isn't it so nice that we're back to pronouncing nuclear the correct way? Oh, my God, yeah. After the last eight years. <laughs> I'm sure Carol's more thrilled than we are. <laughs> Well, how did he say it? Nucle nuclear, right? I nuclear. nuclear. I don't even remember the guy's name, to be honest. <laughs> Some guy. Good. We, we need to erase that from our memory bank. Hedge, shrub. What was his name? W. Yeah, topiary, something like that. Well, in any case, another great show, kicking off season five. Thank you, guys. Good to be back. Good to be back. We love it. And thank you to all of our first-time listeners out there. We hope to see you back next week. And, uh... Uh, Carol, we'll see you back here next week. Jack, see you back here next week. That's right. See you then. Thanks for uh, tuning in, and all of our uh, first-time listeners, welcome, and we hope to see you again. All right, now it's time for our closing sequence. Prepare to activate. Uh, I hear there's rumors on the uh, Internet. You ever seen a grown man naked? And so, to all of you, a fond farewell. Hooray, I'm helping. You are a meathead. Oh, Magoo, you've done it again. That was so terrible, I think you gave me cancer. All right, folks, that's tonight's show. I hope you had as much fun as we did poking a stick at Stupid Cancer. I'd like to thank our guest, Ethan Zahn and Dr. Leonard Sender. Next week's show, Monday, September 14th at 9 p.m. Eastern. The Bald and the Fabulous. In our Survivor Spotlight, Chad Whitman, Young Adult Survivor of Melanoma. I2I Chief Fabulous Officer. 
Ryan O'Donohue, young little advocate, bereaved sibling, and chairman and president of Rise Above It. And the one and only Johnny Emmerman from Emmerman Angels, testicular cancer survivor. It's going to be a hell of a show. If you've missed any of our previous broadcasts from this year or any year before, check out the archives at stupidcancershow.com or subscribe to our podcast at itunes.isoy.com. And if you don't already have Carol's book, The Insider's Guide to Cancer in 2030, it's available wherever books are sold. Remember, if it's not stupid, it's not cancer. We'll see you all back here next week live from the chemo deck. Jack before Carol Rosenthal, Captain Sting and I wish you all a great evening. Go to bed, Drew. Fucker out. out.